Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Praise God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're in this journey of freedom and discovering this freedom we have in Christ so that we can move beyond anything that's holding us back from experiencing the extreme goodness of God. Move beyond anything that's limiting our lives when God has called us to this life of freedom. And tonight's message is called, Blessed are those that mourn? Question mark. And you'll see why I say question mark in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. As we said previously, that word blessed means supremely blessed, happy, favored, and well off. As we said before, that word blessed means supremely blessed, happy, favored, and well-off. So Jesus, supremely blessed, happy, favored, and well-off are those who mourn. Now you might think, okay, mourn must have some secret super definition that I don't understand. Well, no. You understand the definition of mourn because here's what it means. Mourn here means to sing a dirge, to lament, to mourn, to wail or to grief. It means to sing a dirge, to lament, to mourn, to wail, and to grieve. All of those definitions are expressions of grief. That's key. All of those definitions are expressions of grief. So go ahead and say it out loud, put it in the chat, say expressions of grief. Put it in your notes, say it out loud, put it in the chat, say expressions of grief. So Jesus said, supremely blessed, happy, favored, and well-off are those who sing a dirge, who lament, who mourn, who wail, or who express their grief. So you might say, how are those who mourn blessed? How are they supposed to be happy and well-off? This seems to be polar opposites. If he said, that sounds like a polar opposite, go ahead and put it in the chat. Say, yep, that's exactly what it sounds like. If he says, that sounds like a polar opposite, go ahead and put it in the chat. If you're watching in place, you can put it in the chat. Say, that sounds like a polar opposite. How are those who mourn blessed? And how are they supposed to be happy and well off? These seem to be polar opposites. However, in this life of faith, we have to understand that it's okay to not be okay. I'm gonna say it again. It's okay to not be okay. If you wanna say it aloud, put it in your notes, put it in the chat. If you're watching a place where you can put something in the chat, say it's okay not to be okay. Say it aloud, put it in the chat, put it in your notes. It's okay not to be okay. In this life of faith, it's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay that way. It's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay that way. 
You know, there are so many people who think they're living the life of faith and they're staying in a circumstance or a situation or emotional state where they're consistently not okay. And they think that's having faith. No. One of the first steps here, and we're getting into it tonight, is realizing that it's okay to not be okay. And once you realize that, you understand that you don't have to stay not okay forever. You can go beyond that feeling. Come on, say it out loud, put it in the chat. Or put it in your notes, say, I can go beyond. Say it out loud, put it in the chat, put it in your notes, say, I can go beyond. It's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay that way. You can go beyond. Well, how do I know that? Go with me to Isaiah 53. Go to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. And when we think about more, yes, we could talk about mourning over loss of a loved one, of someone who's transitioned. But also we can talk about mourning or grieving because grief has a sense of loss to it. Maybe it's mourning or grieving over a relationship, over a career, over a job of something you put your effort and your emotions and your energy and finance to and it just didn't work out right. And you're grieving or mourning over that. Whatever area where you may be mourning or grieving over, it's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay that way. You can go beyond. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Of course, Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. So notice one of the names of our Savior, of our Messiah, of our Lord. Jesus, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That word sorrows means, yes, sorrow, but also means mental and physical pain. Yes, it means sorrow, but also means mental and physical pain and grief. This word griefs here we see in verse four is grief, sickness, disease, and anxiety. This word grief we see in verse four means grief, sickness, disease, and anxiety. Jesus was acquainted with grief. He was called a man of sorrows. Now, that's important to where we're going tonight because you might say, well, I'm mourning in this area. It might seem little, it might seem big. But the first part I want you to know is Jesus, get, Jesus gets it. Go with me in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, one of our key passages for this series. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Notice what Jesus said about himself in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's quoting Isaiah 61. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and a recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the tenant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
As we said before, that word liberty means release from bondage or imprisonment. It's forgiveness or pardon of sins. This word broken, as we covered before, this, was also, this word was also used in describing those who walked on and crushed grapes or the grinding of bones into dust. This word paints the picture of those who have been walked on by others, crushed by others, or feel as they've been smashed to pieces by life or relationships. Since the word is brokenhearted, it describes those who are emotionally shattered, tattered, and smashed by life. So how does Jesus bless or help those whose hearts are broken due to mourning or grieving? He does it through his presence, his people, and his process. Go ahead, put it in your notes, put it in the chat, say out loud. Say his presence, his people, and his process. His presence, his people, and his process. How does Jesus bless and help those whose hearts are broken due to mourning and grief? His presence, his people, and his process. In this message, we're going to focus on five things that I want you to know. When we first, when we, before we talk about those five things, when we talk about the process, one of the things I encourage you to do because some people don't grieve and they think that's the right way or the way of faith or the best way for them, and that's not true. Not grieving is not the way to go beyond. You have to grieve by the correct process. You say, well, what is the correct process? One of the things I would encourage you to do if you're someone grieving, whether it's a loss of a loved one or some other area in life, I would encourage you to grieve like Jesus. Say out loud, put it in the chat. Say grieve like Jesus. That's the process. And I'm not going to walk through the process tonight. I've actually put a link in your notes. And if you're watching at, later, at a later time, one of the moderators of this community will be able to share with you this link, but it's a link of a message I ministered called The Empty Chair. And it walks you through the process on how to grieve like Jesus, especially when it concerns the loss of a loved one. Jesus helps those who mourn through his presence, through his people, and through his process. And in The Empty Chair, we cover that process. Go with me to Isaiah 61. And we'll get into five things that I want you to know tonight as you take a step beyond, as you go further in this journey of freedom. Number one, know that Jesus gets it. He's anointed to deal with it and he has carried your grief. Number one, know that Jesus gets it. He's anointed to deal with it and he has carried your grief. Jesus, acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows, gets what you're going through. As Hebrews says that we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses or our limitations. He gets it. He's experienced life just like us. He's experienced loss just like us. He's experienced grief just like us. You have a Savior, a Messiah, a high priest who gets it. And he's been empowered by God to deal with it. Not just his own grief that he experienced when he walked this earth but your grief. He's empowered by God to help you through it, to grieve like him so you can go beyond the situation that might seem to you today, I don't know how I'll ever be the same again. And know he has carried your grief. Yes, you still have to go through the process of grief, but you don't have to be overwhelmed by the weight of grief because Jesus carried that weight for you. So the first of the five notes is know that Jesus gets it. He's anointed to deal with it and he has carried your grief. Let's go to Isaiah 61, what Jesus quoted in Luke 4. 
and let's go through verse 3. Verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now you might say, well, Jesus didn't read all that. He stopped in middle of verse two. But does that mean Jesus is not anointed to do it? No, he is. But do you know what that points to? That fact that he stopped in the middle of verse two? He pointed that it was the ministry of the Holy Spirit that's going to carry out the rest. Notice what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 16. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. And the King James is comforter. I'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So what we see in verse one, but also verse two and verse three, is what the Holy Spirit is doing today. Say he's doing it today. Come on, say it aloud, put it in the chat. Say, he, say he's doing it today. Come on, say it aloud, put it in the chat. Say he's doing it today. And then add, he's doing it for me. Come on, say it aloud, put it in the chat, put it in your notes. Say he's doing it for me. Come on, say he's doing it for me. So what is he doing? In part of verse two, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The Holy Spirit has been sent to comfort you, to comfort you if you're mourning, to console you if you're mourning, to take the ashes of the situation and exchange it for beauty to give you the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing for you today, even right now, as you're listening to this message and processing this message. Remember we said from Matthew 5, blessed are those that mourn. This indicates that you should mourn. Or another way to say it, this indicates that you should express your grief. This indicates that you should express your grief. Keeping grief bottled up is not healthy. Keeping grief bottled up is not faith. Keeping grief bottled up is not the way of strength. You trying to keep all that grief inside being that, uh, that strong, silent type is not healthy. It's not. You have to process your grief. You have to go through the process and grieve like Jesus if you want to go beyond. Because if you do not process your grief the correct way, you won't go beyond. You'll stay where you are, or worse, you'll go backward. If you don't grieve like Jesus, you'll stay or go backward. Or if you grieve in the wrong way, you'll go backward when Jesus wants you to go beyond. Releasing your grief or processing your grief in a healthy way is, the, is a key to freedom and moving beyond what is holding you back. The second thing I want you to know in today's message, know that God is with you and that you should express your grief to him. Number two, know that God is with you 
and that you should express your grief to him. Once again, number two, know that God is with you and that you should express your grief to him. You might say that sounds elementary, but how many people actually don't talk to God about what's hurting them? You'd be surprised at how many people say, well, I can't talk to God about that. No, no, no. Go to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this. This hurts. This is bothering me. And as you express those things to him, remember you're not by yourself. Know that he's with you. Look what Psalm 34, 17 and 18 says in the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And whether you feel like that right now, to whatever degree, or whatever situation you may be encountering, know that he's with you and you should express your grief to him. Number three, know that you are not meant to go through grief on your own. Number three, know that you are not meant to go through grief on your own. I'll say it again. Number three, know that you are not meant to go through grief on your own. So what should you do? Express your grief to others and don't be afraid to ask for help. Express your grief to others and don't be afraid to ask for help. So number three, know that you are not meant to go through grief on your own. Express your grief to others and don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes, express your grief to God, but also to others. Remember, he helps you through his presence, through his people, and through his process. Too many people try to keep grief bottled up and they think that it's faith or it's healthy or they say, you know, I can't let anybody in. For whatever reason, they've convinced themselves that they'll hold it in. It's not healthy. It's not good for you. It's not the way of faith. It's not the supernatural life to keep it bottled up. You have to express it to God. And you need to express it to the people that God has put in your life. Those he called you to do life with. Those he's called you to do community with. When you listen to the message of the empty chair, you see that Jesus dealt with grief in community. Not in isolation, but in community. Express your grief to others and don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't grieve by yourself. Don't isolate yourself. You're not meant to go through grief on your own. The enemy will love to isolate you. And then lie to you. This is no one knows what you're feeling and no one cares. That's a lie from hell. You're not meant to go through grief by yourself. Express your grief to others and don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't grieve by yourself. Don't isolate yourself. You're not meant to go through grief on your own. And so you might be person, well, I'm not going through grief. Well, that's great. But you know what you should do if you know people or in relation to people who are? Be there for them. Well, how do you do that? Romans chapter 12. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, let's look at verse 5, 10, and 15. Romans 12, 5, 10, and 15. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Verse 15, 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We're part of the body. When one part hurts, the whole body hurts. So what should we do? Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Prefer each other. Give honor to each other. Rejoice with those who rejoice. If something good happened for them, you rejoice with them. If they're weeping, you're there to go through that process with them and comfort them through that weeping process, through that grieving process. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another or build one another up just as you are also doing. So we told the Thessalonians, you guys are already doing this, but keep it up. Comfort each other. Build each other up. As believers, we have the responsibility to help comfort other believers and build believers up. Go to Romans chapter 8. And we'll get into the fourth thing as we begin to bring this message to a close. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And of course, verse 28 is connected to verse 26 and 27, which mentions praying in the spirit and the importance of praying in the spirit. And we can look at later and we've covered before the importance of loving God, what that actually means by following his ways and being active in what he called you to do. But what I want to focus on in today's message is that God is able to make all things work together for your good. That means the good things, the amazing things, the blessed things, the anointed things, the supernatural things, the mediocre things, the okay things, the blah things, but also about the horrible things, the tragic things, the traumatic things. It doesn't matter what it is or what you went through, or what you experienced. God is able to make it work for your good. Now, he's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of that trauma. He's not the author of that tragic thing. But he's able to take that thing and make it work for your good. It's, an, it's a specialty with our God. He's able to take what the enemy made, meant for evil and turn it for your good. So number four, know that God can even cause this situation to work together for your good. Number four, know that God can even cause this situation to work together for your good. One more time. Number four, know that God can even cause this situation to work together for your good. Number five, know that there is hope. Number five, know that there is hope. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll bring this to a close. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll start with verse 13. But I do not want you ignorant or uninformed, brethren, concerning those who fall asleep, lest you sorrow at others who have no hope. He says, I don't want you uninformed about those who have already died, so that you don't grieve like those who have no hope. So we are to grieve, but we're not supposed to grieve without hope. 
What does it say in verse 14? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. There's always hope. And so depending on whatever situation is, you need to know that there's hope. And hope is a positive expectation. It's an expectation of good. In this life, we have the hope of seeing God's goodness in the land of the living. Having that hope and that expectation gives us strength, as we see from Psalms. We also have the hope of God turning our situations around, causing it to work together for our good. But also beyond this life, we have the glorious hope of the return of the Lord and the glorious hope of heaven. So no matter what you're facing, there is hope. You can expect to see God's goodness in your life. You can expect to see God turn this around for you. And we are to live in expectation of the return of the Lord and of the glorious hope of heaven. So no matter where you are today, know that there is hope. And our hope is based on how much God loves us. There is hope today. 2 Corinthians 1.4, the New Living Translation says this. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Do you know what happens when we look at Matthew 5 and take it to where we just ended? Blessed are those who mourn. Why are those who mourn supremely blessed, favored, and well-off? Because they will be comforted. And that word for comfort is connected the same way we get the comforter or the helper, the paracletos. It means to call to one side. So this is not some distant comfort. This is a comfort of a present God who is actively comforting you through his presence, through his people, and through his process. This is a supernatural comfort. Why are those who mourn? Why should those who mourn be blessed, well off, and happy? because they will experience the comfort of God. So those are the five things you need to know. And part of mourning is expressing your grief. As you express your grief to God and to others, God is able to supernaturally comfort you. And then you go through the season, you go through the situation, you'll be on the other side. You'll be so grateful that you're on the other side, but now that you've been comforted, there's something left on the inside of you, comfort. Because if you grieve without hope, by the time you're done grieving, you're empty. But if you grieve the way Jesus grieves and go through this process, the way we've been talking about tonight and the way we reference in the empty chair, when you go on the other side, you won't be empty, but you'll have comfort and you'll be able to comfort others with the comfort God has given you. This is the supernatural lifestyle of faith. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.